0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Photographer's Keeping It Real podcast. We're now very much into June, so I hope you're having fun shooting and not getting too overwhelmed and we're back into sort of getting towards peak season. Um, I know I've had a lot of weddings the last couple of weeks. So yeah, it feels nicer, the sun's been out and especially here in the UK at least. Um, so yeah, I just hope everyone's doing well. At the time of recording this, so it's the 5th of June now, so this week we'll be announcing the winners of... Round two for 2023, so keep your eyes peeled for um, for that on all our social media, on the blog. Amazing entries, um, really strong set, so um, yeah, good luck to everyone for that. On this episode, I have the wonderful Chloe Mary. We talk about everything from RuPaul's Drag Race, the US versus UK versions, um, finding your style and voice, sending full galleries to inquiries. We talk about talking to your couples about what's important to them, what parts of the day and you know, people and everything like that. We look at presets, editing. We talk to Chloe about black and whites, which she's quite well known for. Um, Outsourcing to your mum. Sending, not your mum, Chloe's mum. Sending previews, um, how many and why Chloe sends what she sends after a wedding. We touch on anxiety and depression a little bit as well. So a bit of a warning for that, for those of you who uh, that might trigger. We talk about being personal with couples and with your brand. We talk about communicating with clients and then we talk also talk quite in depth about pricing and packages and full day versus hourly, um, some of the pros and cons. Um, so yeah, if you are a Photographers Keeping It Real member, don't forget to use your personal link to listen to the full episode. Um, in the members only section at the end, we talk about attracting your ideal clients, logos and branding. And um, we talk as usual about marketing leads, how's the rest of 2023 and 2024 looking, um, and lots, lots more. So So let's dive straight into the episode. Photographers keeping it real Photographers keeping it real This is our podcast We've never done this before We practice just a little bit So we apologize if It's a big shit I know it's so good Oh yeah it real. We keep it real because we like way it feels. Okay, welcome to the podcast, Chloe.
1: Hi, thank you for having me, Scott. How are you?
0: Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. How are you?
1: Not too bad. Not too bad. Thank you.
0: Nice. Yeah, it's been like, it's nice. So we're so recording this in April. It's currently very sunny here. I don't know what it's like. We're, you're in Bristol area, right? Somewhere around there? Yeah,
1: it's pretty sunny down here. Well, it's been weird. We've had some really bad rain, but for some reason over the bank holiday, it's brightened up a little bit, which is kind of nice.
0: Yeah, we had like a sunny Friday, Saturday. We went to like this farm thing with the kids on Sunday and it was like, yeah, quite wet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been up and down. But yeah, it's nice. Like Springs definitely feels like it's here now, doesn't it? More. and
1: Yeah, it's, it's opened up and... I think we're going to get all those sunny weddings now and we can all just chill a little bit not having to battle so much rain, hopefully.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? I was saying before we started, I I had like, yeah, one in February, one in March, a couple of months, it's kind of nice, steady start. But then I think once the clocks change, once the kind of, I don't know, yeah, spring just starts, it feels like it's sort of proper wedding season almost, doesn't it? And I think people start getting busier and it's quite nice chatting to photographers around this time because it's, I don't know how you find it, but for me, yeah, the winter's always a bit kind of, it's weird because I'm not shooting as much. You're not seeing as much new content. Everyone else is a bit kind of, everyone's in the same boat almost, aren't they? And it's I don't know, it's nice totally. when I think spring starts and you can start shooting again properly. And
1: Yeah, I think you actually start seeing like real weddings because obviously when it's down season, we're doing a lot of styled shoots or then there's some of us that, I don't know about you, but I just choose to be lazy for like three months and do nothing. <laughs> and then be ridiculously busy for the rest of the year. So it's nice to kind of see everybody being like back to weddings or like um off to my first wedding of the year and seeing everybody's fresh content is really nice.
0: Yeah, so even for me, like yeah, I haven't done, done really done any style shoots in a while, but yeah, I think only because now also with photographers keeping it real with like young kids, all that stuff. Like I do, I always find that I'm really busy still, even in the downtime. So it's not mm-hmm. too bad, but I do think yeah, I definitely did used to, and it is nice to sort of do stuff, but. For me, I've done like a lot of training stuff over the winter, which is nice. So, you know, it's like you do that and then you're like really eager to like put it into practice almost like, you know, when you like get back shooting. So it's nice not to have too long a break, I feel.
1: Yeah. I mean, I say being lazy, but imposter syndrome sets in and you just start changing things. Like I'm going through a rebrand at the moment because I was quiet and I was like, I could rebrand and changing presets and changing websites. Like my boyfriend always makes a joke when he walks in on me, like, are you doing your website again? And I'm like, yes, but trust me, in a few months, this will not be a possibility. and It will not be touched again until the winter. So yeah, I say lazy, but I procrastinate over everything. During
0: the lazy time, <laughs> yeah, I'm similar. So I went through like I had a preset done over winter, and so like mm-hmm. you know, nothing. It's not drastically different, but yeah, just little things like that. It's kind of I think everyone does that, don't they? Like whether it's yeah, yeah editing just tweak all your tweaks bits. and yeah websites and all that stuff. So but yeah, totally cool. Let's start with a really random question then. So I was having a look through your website and um, made a few notes as a okay. So I see, you're like a fellow RuPaul Drag Race fan. What? Of course. Yeah. So, what? How do you feel about the UK series versus like the original kind of American one?
1: Oh, see, I feel like really unpatriotic when I say this, but it—I really prefer the US one. Like, same. UK one's great; it has its place, but I think hilariously, like the Brits prefer the US one, and the US people prefer the Brit one because they just like our humor for some random reason. I've known, I've, I've seen a couple of the UK Drag Race people before they were on Drag Race. So that was kind of interesting. And hilariously linking back to weddings, I was at a wedding, probably, I think it was my first same-sex wedding. And they were supposed to have Tace as their act in the evening. And she cancelled like half hour before. This was pre-Drag Race days. And I was like, oh. And then when I saw her on Drag Race, I was like, I have a really bad opinion of you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, that's a shame. You literally sad. let the couple down. So you, yeah, yeah, uh, like
1: it just made me really sad because it would have been the first drag act I had at a wedding as well. I think yeah, I no no, I I do like the UK one, but it just has nothing on the US one for me. Unfortunately, what about you? I yeah, same.
0: same really. Yeah, uh, like yeah, I really like the US one. So it's just like I don't know. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. Cause it is like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think people like, if you look, if you're looking on the outside and that looks crazy. And obviously, if you're not into like drag queens in the slightest, I guess, and stuff, like you yeah. might be like, there's no way I'm watching that. But so, like, for me, like, <laughs> I'm terrible at baking, but I like the bake off or like even sewing and the great, you know, the sewing beer. <laughs> I like, so, like, it's that format, isn't it? And it's kind of it is a crazy show, but like, yeah, it's very entertaining. Do you
1: have a favorite season?
0: I'm trying to think when I even first watched it, probably like season, I don't know, four, maybe, or something around that time, I was kind of, I think it was the first one I maybe, started to season watch was, it. it was, like, was oh, that
1: Sharon Needles season four? I
0: think so yeah it was around yeah, yeah that yeah that kind of around that era I think was uh, yeah yeah it's just it's funny it's, in, it's a good watch I would say yeah definitely. Um, so a little bit about you so I don't like to go over too much old ground of things that are out there already because it just feels you know I don't want people to listen to the same thing on every podcast type thing but so you were yep. on the NinjaCast recently uh, episode <laughs> 85 I will link to it if anyone does want to listen to that so if uh, you talk a bit about your start and stuff but If anyone hasn't listened to that or isn't aware of you, do you want to just do a very brief kind of, I don't know, how you got into weddings or a little bit of your background sort of thing?
1: Yeah, so I originally wanted to become a fashion designer, which obviously is not really along the lines of wedding photography at all. And I was always into like art and stuff as a kid, but I went to college to study a BTEC in art and design. And as part of that and learning to do fashion design, you kind of had to photograph your own pieces. So they kind of taught you how to, use a camera on very basic settings but I was kind of like this feels more fun than actually making the pieces but I still went along the lines of going into uni doing fashion design because it's kind of like the pressure of you need to pick a career what do you want to do at such a like young age and then I did a bit of beauty blogging and lifestyle blogging on the side and companies would send me like free products in exchange for taking a couple of pictures for the blog. But then they were like, oh, these are really good. Can we use these? And I was like, sure. I thought nothing of it. And then a mate one day, as I'm sure we've all had, this was like, you have a good camera. Could you come and take some pictures at my mom's wedding for me for a little bit of cash in hand? And I was like, sure. Like hundred quid sounds great to do a little bit of photography that I have no pressure of. There was literally no pressure to take any good pictures. It was just like, do what you can. And I just caught the bug. I was just addicted. I was like, oh, okay. like I'm a quite a chatty person, quite outgoing. And I was like, I get to be outgoing and chatty with a lot of strangers in a room, get paid to be there and take pictures, which are kind of like a form of art, like what's not to love. And they recommended me to a friend who then recommended me to like two friends and it just spiraled out of control. And I was like, oh, I can make a living from this and also enjoy doing a job that I love at the same time. And yeah, that's kind of how it happened, really. That was like five years or so ago now. Long time ago, it feels like.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, because like yeah, so I suppose for a lot of careers in general, like five years probably isn't that long in the grand scheme of things. But then yeah. in the wedding world it's you know, it is a fairly long time, isn't it? Like it's halfway quite, to
1: retirement. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> It's interesting that like everyone's very similar, aren't they? Or a lot of people in general, like you'll, you know, say you'll sort of act, not accidentally shoot a wedding, but you kind of yeah you get right. roped in by a friend and then realize that you love it and do it. And there's not many people yeah. who, I mean, I don't know anyone, I'm sure there is, but you know, who went to uni, say, and did photography or you know as a teenager like oh I've got a camera I'm going to be a wedding photographer or like it yeah and, you know, and studied like not and you completely can't even study wedding photography but even studied photography with an, an idea of like oh I'm going to be a wedding photographer or I'm going to be you mm-hmm. know shoot family photography or it's always more I feel like it's more like fashion and commercial stuff for people yeah I yeah I it. mean
1: I know I know a few people in the industry who did go to uni to study like photography in general but most of them then kind of like went on to try and do, like you said, other avenues like fashion photography or commercial and stuff, and then just got roped into, oh, will you capture a wedding for my mom or my friend of a friend and stuff. And I think like when we were at Nine Dots together, Sandy Sandy Block was saying that her mentor or something in her uni was like, a oh, wedding photography is like the lowest form of art that you can do, and it's just it's not viewed as something aspirational almost but then we all actually get into it and make really successful businesses and absolutely love our jobs so I think it's got a bit of a negative view in the professional world of photography but actually we all love it when we get into it and it just happens
0: yeah it's weird isn't it I don't don't know why I mean I've never had any I was like started out like live music and festivals and stuff and then got into weddings from there so I've never been interested in like fashion or commercial or anything really but I know it's seen as a kind of higher form, which is weird, but
1: Yeah. Well, you've got you've got photographers who are in the industry that came from fashion photography, and you can kind of see it in their styles. Like I think that's why there's so many styles do exist, is because we all have different influences. Like some of the best documentary photographers I know are like huge in street photography, and you could really see it in their work. And then some of the really high-end photographers are really into fashion photography. And again, you can see it in their work. So it's definitely good to bring in your kind of outside aspects and it, let it adapt your style almost.
0: Yeah, that's no, it's really good. Yeah, it's interesting because I, even though when I first started doing weddings, I did do a lot of, like I do a lot of flash, I do a lot of posing, I kind of did some document, mm-hmm. like it was all a bit of a mishmash of who I seemed to like at the time, I think, or which course I'd been yeah. on or, you know, I did a little bit of everything randomly. But, but yeah, I think I was, when I first started photography in general, I say doing like bands and festivals and stuff i did exactly what everyone else did like in the photo pit you know the usual stuff and then i slowly started doing more of like the crowd and the story and stuff like that and that's
1: and then realizing what you actually enjoyed about it almost yeah exactly just being someone else
0: yeah it just took time to kind of because i just sort of you know i suppose yeah you just look at what the people are doing i guess and not copy but like emulate a little bit or think that must be the way you have to shoot this or that and then you kind of learn your own thing don't you but
1: I think that's the thing as well. Like I think that's the difference if you became a photographer now because there's so many styled shoots and stuff and that's almost, and workshops, how you develop a portfolio. It's not that you develop a portfolio from shooting small weddings and finding your style as you go. It's that you find your style first and then shoot your weddings. So it's, it's very different. Now, as to when we were all kind of finding our feet and being like Bambi on the ice almost.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Now, it's so much like, I guess, with you know, like, I say, with social media, with workshops and portfolio builders and all you know, style shoots yeah. and stuff, there's so much there available. Like, it probably is very overwhelming if you're new to the market, but mm-hmm. you've also got that ability to almost reach out to anyone. Like, there's you no, know, not many photographers out there who you probably can't drop a message to. And yeah, obviously, you might have to pay for it, but you can't do like a one on one with, or they're not teaching a workshop yeah. or they don't have content out there you know, whether it's on YouTube or Creative Live type thing or something like it's there's usually some access to basically anyone, certainly in the wedding world, you know, that kind of thing. It's,
1: mm-hmm. I think it's a good yeah. thing, though. Like, I think it's good and bad. I think why I say bad is because I think it can push people into a, a false understanding of what wedding photography can be. Like, I feel like I became the way that I've become so far by learning on the job And seeing different weddings and different styles and knowing like, yes, this was my ideal client. No, this wasn't my ideal client. What can I change not to market to that person and so on and so forth? Whereas now it's kind of like they find, like you said, a photographer, they like find a workshop that they're doing and then be like, okay, I can become this person. And that's, I think that's good and bad because we're eventually going to just have lots of copies (laughs) of the same people. And I wish like some of the new people could know sooner on that it's you don't have to emulate somebody in order to be good like we were just saying like you can forge your own path and kind of go from there and just be influenced more by people not become these people if that makes sense.
0: Yeah it does it's interesting isn't it? because like I say I can kind of sometimes you know not all talented, it's good and bad but, I think. Yeah I mean sometimes I can see kind of when I don't know, obviously you can see someone starting a bit like, oh, I wouldn't, you know, I bet they've maybe been on the so-and-so's course or whatever. Yeah. And like, you know, sometimes <laughs> they'll be shooting with similar kit because they've sort of like, oh, what kit are you using? Well, I'll get that. And then I'll get your preset. And like I say, they're kind of emulating their style a little bit, which you again, again, isn't bad. There's not many, tra- you know, I don't, I don't use the word trailblazers, but there's not many completely unique styles you see every now and again, but each
1: no, totally. person has their
0: own little tweaks and things, don't they? And I know you, on your website, you say obviously there's a, a quite strong documentary and candid approach, but then you still have that kind of pose couples and a little bit more of a, I don't know, would you call it editorial? I don't know, but that kind of slightly more stylized.
1: Yeah, I kind of say, yeah. maybe stylized, I kind of say, like when I say to my couples, like how I explain my style, I'm like 80% of the day is literally just you go about your day as it is. Like, I don't get you to do anything, basically. I say like 10% is your groups because unfortunately, no matter how, much we hate doing groups or weddings are untraditional and stuff. There's always that one traditional element that they have some kind of group format to the day almost. And then I even say like the rest of the 10% is the couple shots, but even then I try not to structure it too much. The only time I kind of give guidance to my clients is if they are those slightly more awkward people in front of the camera, which I do attract a lot of. And I love, I love that awkward people come to me because they don't want to be in front of the camera And it gives me that challenge almost. But I don't actually pose people as much as people think that I pose them, which is quite funny. I'll I'll now and again, like, put them in a good location and just be like, stand there and chat to each other or like look in opposite directions and just really quickly capture that and then like move on to something that's much more interactive for them. But I kind of say it's documentary with like a sprinkle of stylisticness almost because, yeah, a lot of my couples like having those kind of slightly more stylized, almost like arty images. And then they like the rest of the day to just be, let me live my day and those kind of things. And I never would make somebody repeat something. Like if I managed to get an absolutely banging shot of a bride putting on her shoes, that's great. But I would never be like, oh, hold on. Can you redo your shoes so that I can get that portrait for you? If I don't get it, I don't get it. And I express that to my clients that... It literally is just sometimes in the moment. If I get it, then you've got it. If not, we'll carry on.
0: Yeah, I mean, this was a good thing with it. Is not many. like say yeah. outside of those kind of formal groups or couple stuff or you know anything the couple might mention to you that's like important for them. But outside of yeah. that, they kind of you know they don't necessarily know what shots they're going to get or don't you know not going to get do they? So they don't.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, they're not missing something really or like you know not going. oh, I noticed you taking a photo of me doing this, and like, I can't see that photo. Like where is it? Kind yeah. of thing. Like I, I know I've never had it, but. I don't get it either. I think
1: the ones that maybe like you do get people just going, oh, did you have this photo? Is the ones that they're much more aware that you are taking or you're kind of doing something with them that they would remember. But like you said, like I always make a joke that I work best with the couples who don't know what they want. And that's kind of because I think, like you said, it's a nice surprise then for them to be like, oh, this is how Chloe saw the day. But then they see these memories and these moments they do remember. And then they also get moments that were so small that they forgot. But then actually they see the photos and they're like, oh, that was a bigger moment than I realized it was. Or like, oh, I can see in that photo, like it captured this feeling that I was having. But I didn't realize Chloe saw me having that moment and that feeling almost.
0: Yeah, I'm really yeah. conscious. Like, you know, too, that whole like show gonna shoot thing is is big on for me now. And so like everything I post, you know, is generally trying to be very much like, yeah, targeting the right couples and but I do wonder what uh, I'm always conscious. I think when I'm speaking to couples as well, even you know, in pre-phone calls or like before mm-hmm. the wedding and stuff, of like what I don't know what they're expecting? They expecting. Yeah, because I'm worried that <laughs> I'm still worried that like I'm putting out this work and they they obviously hopefully are seeing that and love that and that's why they book. But yeah, I still also almost want to be like right. You definitely know that this is what I'm going to do, and you definitely want this, right? And You're not expecting something crazy different, and you just like yeah. these images, but you also know you want this, and I'm not going to provide that, and. I don't know. Like it's always in the back of my mind. I think that like, I'm worried that, yeah, they're going to be expect because they're not seeing many full galleries potentially or any, some, you know, very, Yeah. I'll always send something people ask, but a lot of people don't really ask. And then obviously I look at a lot of other photographers, but I know couples might look at a few and then have calls and that's it. You know, they're not really in the world like we are, of course. So.
1: Yeah. I think that's the thing. I, every single inquiry that comes through to me when I reply, I actually send them a link to a portfolio gallery, which has probably about 10 plus full days. And I know some people are like, well, you don't don't need to send them four days unless they ask. And I'm like, no, but I specifically state in, you know, my little PS that here is a link to my portfolio so you can understand my style better and check that it is for you. Because I've got this habit and I think a lot of us have got the habit of the stuff that we show. We will show a few documentary moments, but the stuff that gets the traction is always going to be more of the couple shots and stuff like that. And I'm very aware that sometimes like my website looks quite couple shot heavy. And people might be like, oh, she does a lot of posy stuff. But a lot of those couple shots are just documentary in the moment whilst they're during the couple portraits. And I always kind of say to them, like, please make sure you understand, like, what my style is. And then when I have a chat with them, I always say, like, there's a section on your your contract form and everything that says, like, if there's any important shots to you that you want me to try and get, I can get them, but I can't guarantee them. And I say to them, like, that's an area to be like, I really want a picture of my shoes because unless you tell me you want a picture of your shoes I'm not going to necessarily take it like if they're there and they look good or I can quickly grab them and take a quick picture for you I will but it's not in the forefront of my mind I'd much rather get a moment of you and your bridesmaids in the same room together having a good time than a picture of your shoes that you're not probably going to look at in 10 years time
0: yeah, it's so not that that you're like bothered about lay flats and you're know, like not going... Yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's not, not my details. kind of
1: vibe. Yeah. I'll do them if like they say to me, it's important to them. Like mm. I'll, I'll always walk in and be like, do you want a picture of your suit like hung up? Do you want a picture of your dress hung up? And if they're like, mm, not really. And I'm like, okay, we've had that conversation. Mm. And then kind of like, if that gets brought back up, I can be like, well, I asked on the moment and unfortunately, if you say it's not important to you, it's not important to me. And I think that's a thing that I've kind of started to understand more in the last year is that you need to get into their mindset of what is important to them and pre anticipate what they are potentially going to expect from their photos, even though that's hard to do, especially in a documentary style, which you'll know because obviously you're quite heavy documentary as well. But we just kind of need to put ourselves into their shoes and be like, right, in this moment, would I rather choose a picture of my dress or a picture of me having a moment with my mom in the corner? You're like, well, of course I'd want the picture of me, and my mom in the corner, having that natural interaction that a picture of a dress that is going to go in the bin or get donated to charity or put in the attic for the next 20 odd years. Yeah. yeah. It's hard.
0: <laughs> it is. Yeah. I think I over worry about it more than it probably is even an issue. But yeah, like I'm very, he- I am heavy on like, sharing documentary shots i don't necessarily mm-hmm. worry about it and like when we chat i do but yeah so those galleries are they like full so like full galleries like as in what the couple got or you full galleries? Of, yeah
1: unless obviously i i use pick time which i'm sure a lot of us do and yeah, so. when i send it over they've got you know the primary access to it and they're the owner of the galleries so they can hide i always specified to them like you can hide things if you don't want people to see them and unless they say to me, you know, like, oh, we'd rather you don't share the gallery. If it's one that I love, it'll go into the portfolio. Like not every single wedding's on the portfolio. It's ones I feel like represent my style the best. Good rounders are venues that I work at frequently, that sort of thing. But it's a representation of a broad portfolio almost. So I know some people send specific links to like a couple if they're getting married at this venue and they've got a gallery, they'll send them. The gallery for that venue. And I think I did a poll on Instagram and a lot of people said that they actually wouldn't like to see just specifically their venue. They would like to see a variation of what you can do. And I think especially when it comes to documentary photography, you could show them three galleries at the same venue. But realistically, those three galleries probably, although they'll have similarities, will also be different. So they're looking for the variation and they're looking for the kind of things you are capturing and looking for I'm prioritizing for them and then i just say to them if you've got any questions like let me know why this one has more of this in it or this one has more couple shots or this one has more groups and then i can like break it down from there for you
0: yeah i think it's quite good because then if they've looked through like you know multiple full galleries and are happy you know obviously you know then gone to book obviously happy with what you've produced and yeah. you can probably feel like well yeah, I've produced that on these 10 galleries. Like, I'm going to, you know, generally, what are you going to well, be able to yeah. do? Yeah, like, you know, most of the time, this, you know, there's any issues. Like, generally, everyone's, you know, you're producing that sort of standard the whole time, aren't you? So it's like...
1: Yeah, yeah I think a lot of people just good. don't know what they're actually after. And we kind of, and they look to us as like, we're the experts. So we just kind of need to be like, this is what I do. Is that what you want? And I do sometimes get people ghost me after I send the link. And that's fine. I mean... It's kind of hard to sometimes know whether they've ghosted you because you've sent them more information or they've contacted multiple photographers, like we said earlier, or they just don't like what they see, like, or they're price shopping. Even though I'm very transparent with my prices, you still get people who get in touch and then they're like, oh, okay, that's how much she costs. And you're like, the the page was there the whole time. (laughs) You can see how much I cost from the day one. But yeah, I mean, if, if showing them full galleries of what they can expect puts them off, then they were never my client in the first place.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's better at that point, isn't it? I guess, like you say, they're looking at full galleries being like, oh yeah, this isn't actually what we want. And much better. Yeah. Than and then being stay, like, complaints then, down yeah, the road. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I, should, I definitely need to do something more like that, I think.
1: I would advise it if you don't. And like, even if you want to kind of limit it more to like, here's three galleries that represent my style more, you can, I just do the portfolio page because then it's easier that they can just click on ones that they like the look of or they can look at a variation i do sometimes have to specify that sometimes like some of the ones on there are slightly older edits but i'm like the style is exactly the same it's just you're going to get tweaked colors to look like this gallery instead so i kind of i order them in like reverse order not reverse order mm, so the yeah. newest is ascending first, descending, i never know what descending, yeah descending, descending yeah. that's right yeah <laughs>
0: So, yeah, new is one. first.
1: So, yeah, so they can be like, oh, okay, this is how it's going to look color wise and style wise. And then they can see that actually the style has still continued throughout. It's just that maybe the colors have slightly changed over the years because I'm a bit of a preset addict and probably every year to two years I change my presets.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like I can't nice. help it. Yeah, I've literally just done it over the winter and mm-hmm. I'd used the same one for a couple of years before that and there's no, you know, so it was all pretty... and It was fine. It, just, it I just think it started to look a little bit duller for me almost. I don't know, you know, like... Yeah. So the newer ones, just a little bit more, slightly more like pop of colour, a bit more kind of contrasty. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I've kind of done the same thing. I've kind of gone like slightly less... I feel like my my edit used to be very stylized, and then like over the years, it's slightly less stylized, slightly more... Real to life colors are slightly coming in because that desaturation was huge a year or two ago. It kind of still is. Mm. But again, I think it's very dependent on style. Like a lot of documentary photographers are bright and real and contrasty. And then a lot of the editorial stylized people are desaturated, softer. And I think I'm trying to like middle for diddle it almost. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I know what you mean. Yeah. Oh, nice. Bit yeah. of both worlds yeah we'll talk about editing a little bit so we've got a point here as so you've segued nicely onto it okay so, <laughs> so so you're working off kind of a, a preset essentially like that you you know like most people i guess you tweak things and then you have your mm-hmm. sort of base preset i guess right yeah and what i know you do a lot of black and white also you say on your site yep. like the self-confessed queen of monochrome so you, you know, <laughs> I, like, i really like black and white funnily i go in and out of like phases almost. like not even mm-hmm. intentionally. I just feel like sometimes I look through gallery and I'm like, oh, there's a lot more black and white. And then there's a few galleries where there's lot not as much and then there's more again. Yeah. And it's it's weird, isn't it? I don't know. I think for me maybe certain venues or certain times of year with the light or, you know, kind of it work, lends yeah, it works yeah. better for me. And I kind of go with that. And then I do what some people do obviously and sometimes I just can't get the white balance right so I whack it in black and white but yeah (laughs) but in general like I do have some you know I'm not only I I don't deliver in like all color and all black and white so I am kind of one I just deliver the photo in what I think is best Mm -hmm. generally that seems to work fine for me but you know I can see the pros and cons for both but yeah like I don't know it's interesting isn't it but yeah so what like what's your take on sort of the black and white just editing in general and are you do you edit everything yourself are you on the AI train yet, outsourcing, anything like that? Are you still just doing it all yourself?
1: So I have actually outsourced to my mother. <laughs> nice. I've never, crazy. ever
0: seen that, heard of that before, but <laughs> nice. So keeping the family.
1: Yeah. Over COVID, obviously, we had like a lot more time. And then at the 20, I don't know about you, but 2021, I think I was on 50 plus weddings and I was just really struggling to keep up. And my mom was kind of like, Do you want some help? And I was like, you don't, you don't know how to do this. And she's like, well, let let me play. Like if it doesn't work out, then it's not a problem. So I kind of trained my mom up and my mom helps me now. And it's quite funny. So I will basically call everything myself, do a a big preview. I deliver huge previews to my couples. I give them about a hundred images in a week of the wedding, which some people are like, that's quite a lot, but it kind of, because my timelines are eight to 12 weeks, I think it's, it keeps them occupied that a hundred images is quite a lot to have up front.
0: Yeah. So do you, are you picking that? Like, are you picking like, you know, little bits of each of the days? It's almost like a hundred of the full, you know, full spectrum of the day type thing. Yeah. So kind of like
1: a mini gallery almost. So I kind of try and I'd, I'd say, I'd like to say that it's a story, but obviously there's only so much story that you can tell with so many images I mean, awards obviously would beg to differ when they only want 15 images to tell (laughs) a story, but I think 100 still can not really tell like a full, full story. So I'll I'll pick like a few bits and bobs. I'll do like a a couple of details, a couple of couple shots, a little bit of candid, just a bit of everything to kind of give them a flavour of basically what is to come. And that again will be a variation of colour and black and white, just whatever I feel works at the time.
0: Do you always do that then for every like, yeah, and do you tell your couples that wedding. like you tell couples that you'll get a
1: hundred like?
0: I normally just say like preview. you get your preview
1: gallery. Mm-hmm. And if they go like, oh, how many roughly is that? Cause some photographers will advertise on their websites that they get a preview gallery of like 10 images within a couple of days. And I'm like, oh, maybe like if we're saying it's a full day wedding, about fifty to hundred, and they're like, Wow, okay, I'll always say less just in case I can't do the full hundred yeah. or I can't sum it up quickly. I mean, sometimes it's more than 100. Sometimes it's probably about 130, I think, is the most that I've delivered. But then that's gone on to be like an 800 plus image gallery. So I'll basically cull the whole thing, know roughly how many of the gallery is going to be at the end. There's always some that come off. But if I've culled to like a thousand, I'm like, okay, I can confidently deliver 100 and probably give about 700 at the end. Whereas if I've only managed to cull it to about 600, I'm like, I'll give them 50 because then if there's only 500, it's roughly like 10% of the gallery almost. Okay. And then if it's like a two hour booking or a five hour booking, I'll just adjust it accordingly. So like I'd say a two hour booking is probably about 30, a five hour is probably about 50. So just try to match it up slightly so that it's about 10% or so and then go from there. So that, that'll that be basically cold. I'll one star everything and then I'll two-star everything that I think I want to include in a preview, edit all the two stars, then I color code everything into sections using like the flags and stuff, do the previews, download it as a catalog for my mom. And then my mom will basically go on to just apply that preset to everything. So she's not really editing per se. She's kind of just applying that preset, but the tweaked Preset instead of getting Lightroom to do it for you, like you can do. Yeah, so you're and kind of thinking like, like
0: from like yes, yeah, so you'll have like a couple of pre photos yeah. that are edited anyway, yeah. and then she's just kind of making the others match yeah, to those kind of pre edited sort of thing.
1: Yeah, so I'd say there's probably like a couple of references in each color section, and then she'll kind of just sync them up and then be like, oh, that one looks like it's way too bright. Maybe adjust the exposure and then resync it. So she knows roughly what I'm thinking obviously she doesn't 100% and she doesn't do the black and white. She pretty much just color syncs everything for me. And then I'll go back in and pre-specify my black and whites myself after. So she'll just apply the presets, link it back to me as a catalog, and then I will do everything finalize, like tweaks, any touch-ups, bit of Photoshop work if needed. So yeah, I guess I technically outsource partially to my mom and she kind of is doing what image AI would do. But keep it in the family. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: nice. I and mean, yeah, and you just do the final tweaks then and
1: yeah. And I mean, yeah. she's like my biggest fan as well. So she's like, "This gallery is really good." I'm like, "Thank you." <laughs> or like, That's if nice. I've had yeah. a second shooter, she's like, "Oh, you had a second shooter for this one, didn't you?" Because their their color tones are slightly different. And I'm mm. like, how she doesn't know what she's on about, but she also does know what she's on about at the same time
0: so so So, yeah yeah, she's not a photographer she hasn't edited photos before she has no idea what she's doing
1: (laughs) she works for like an insurance company on the phones but she just kind of does it in her free time on the evenings just to help me out basically and yeah she absolutely loves it it's kind of fun for her I think because she's seen me be so sad and depressed in all the other jobs that I did as a kid I did a lot of jobs I think I worked about 17 or 18 different jobs from the age of 18 to 26 I was a bit of a jumper. I just would jump from one to the other. So I think for her, it's actually quite nice to see that I found a job that I've been done for like more than two
0: years. Yeah. Um, Is that just like, you just didn't like any of them? You know, just one of those things you didn't feel like a career to you or something you're passionate about. So you just couldn't like get on board with it sort of thing.
1: I think I just always struggled working for other people as well. Like I had really severe anxiety and depression about 10 years ago or so now and kind of having although obviously we do have some structure that we need to deliver galleries on time and we need to show up to this wedding and stuff like I feel like if you're having a few bad days you can give yourself that mental break without needing to answer to somebody else you can be like I'm out of office for a few days like please just be patient with the emails and no one bats an eyelid that you need to take a little bit of a break I've seen people have like complete social media breaks for a few weeks and again no one bats an eyelid whereas you can't just walk into the office and be like guys I need a week off see you in a week Yeah, so, yeah I think
0: it's interesting with the whole yeah because you're right we can put like say you see all the time I've done it before as well you kind of like look yeah I've got I don't know a weekend with the family or I'm you know I'm taking yeah. a week off it's been a crazy summer and I'm just gonna yeah I'm taking a bit of time off I'm just gonna you know sit and edit and Mm-hmm. not look at social media for a while and all that and, you, and people are like if anything like it then they're like yeah that's great yeah, and like, that's oh, like, okay. yourself. yeah <laughs> exactly and like yeah a lot of clients it's quite a personal thing isn't it where for most of your businesses where it's in you know, there's one man band two man band whatever like you kind of mm-hmm. you know it's very personal people are buying into you so they're you know interested yeah. in you and your your business your health or anything really I guess so it's it is acceptable whereas yeah it'd be, I think it'd be kind of weird if like Tesco is just kind of put on their Instagram one day like we're just yeah, we need a break. We're like going off social for a week or something, People I guess. Like, you okay, hon? <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's a big but, team and stuff, it's just different, isn't it? But like, yeah, you don't see yeah. it as much with bigger brands, but it kind of works for yeah, smaller brands. Like I say, you can kind of generally you could take a couple of days and sort of lay in mm-hmm. bed if you wanted a Or just go, you know, on holiday or something yourself. And it wouldn't be the end of the world, generally, for wedding. I
1: think that's the thing. And like, it just, it's just also, I mean, technically, I guess we have other people to answer to, i.e. like couples and stuff. But at the same time, like you said, they buy into you as a person. And I don't don't feel like it's that impersonable. It's like little things. Like I had surgery nine weeks ago. I'd I'd saved up to have the surgery that I've really wanted for a really long time. And I was like, I can squeeze it in pre-season I think there was two galleries that I was still due to deliver. This was like in February. And I just put up a message being like, I'm going off for a couple of weeks. It didn't specify why. just mm-hmm. said I was out of office for a couple of weeks. If anybody need anything, here's an emergency number. And I messaged the clients privately and they were just like, mate, take your time. Like, we have no issues waiting another week or two for the gallery. And people were like sending me nice messages. Like, I don't know what you're up to, but like, I really hope you're okay. And like, when I told one of them what I was doing, she was like, oh my God, that's so exciting. Like wishing you a speedy recovery. Like, please let me know how it goes. And you're just like, you know, a business wouldn't care about it that much. If you were like, I need to take up a couple of weeks off. They'd be like, okay, let us know why. And like constantly checking up on you. Whereas like, you can just say to people like, I just need a few weeks off. I'll be back. And people are like, okay, have a great time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's so much more personable and like it's the same with clients. Like if I see that they've put something up on their Instagram that they're having a bit of a hard time or they're taking a break, I'll always message them like, Hope you're okay. And they're like, oh my God, like some of my friends haven't checked in to see if I'm all right, or like I'm having a hard time with work being like, How long are you gonna be off? So yeah, I think I don't know, I just always struggled. There was a few jobs that I loved, like being a bra fitter, that was one of my favorite jobs but the company went into administration. Again, I don't think that's something I could have seen myself doing for the rest of my life, whereas I can actually see myself doing this for the rest of my life if yeah. my body will allow me.
0: you think like, I obviously I'm, I'm not very au with like the bra fitting world, but <laughs> I imagine like, I suppose people coming in, you chat chatting to them a bit and you kind of, not having to learn everything about them obviously, but like, you know, you're having mm. a bit of a chat how the day's going or like, you know, that they had an issues yep. with bras in the past or whatever. I don't know, you have a bit of time with them, I guess, while you're fitting them and,
1: it's quite a personable service. And I think that links into what we do now. Like, you know, it's somebody trusting you with something and being like, no, this isn't right. This is right. And they're trusting your expertise to tell them what they need to know and stuff like that. Like I have no problem being like to a client, like, yeah, I don't think that's possible. Let's do it this way instead. Or that kind of thing. And then being like, okay, like that's what they're paying us for. They're paying for us to be like, we we've done this. So many people come on calls and they're like, Oh, well, obviously, we don't know because we've never done this. And I'm like, Well, actually, like, you can do it this way, or, you know, this is how this usually works. That's part of what they're paying you for. It's not just to take a photo, it's to tell them you've done this. This is what happens.
0: Yeah. I think there can be a bad, like, there's an argument as well, I say on the day. Yes, fair enough. You're trying to be documentary and stuff. So you don't want to mm-hmm. overly interrupt things and stuff. But like, certainly pre, you know, pre the wedding, even you can you know, if they're asking things, you can be like, well, look, you do you obviously and whatever yeah. you think is going to be guess, best for you, I can just say what I've seen before or kind of what yeah, I think exactly. works so timing wise or whatever that I just think you won't have thought about maybe, yeah, how yeah. quickly that will go or how little amount of time that is. it sounds like a long time, but it's not or you, know, you can give guidance, yeah. As you know, if it's ultimately going to give you what you need photo wise, it's going to be better for the couple, I guess, as well. So well, it's, you know. It's, it's, it's
1: like the debate of couples thinking well or being told by venues that it's a great idea to have speeches in between courses and then you going actually logistics wise it's not as great as you think it is it sounds like a good idea on paper it sounds like a great idea like you know have a bit of food then you do a speech then you have another bit of food then you do a speech and you're like lighting wise it's tricky video wise people have issues with it video wise obviously as well and you're like, the table starts to look messy. It can affect photos. People are like, they get a bit nervous then waiting for their turn. I'm like, either just get it out of the way first or wait until after. And people are like, oh, I'd never thought of that. And you're like, I also don't know why venues or caterers even recommend it sometimes because I'm like, if that speech runs over, surely that does mess with your timings more than it helps you with your timings. So yeah, they're, they're just trusting us to be like, actually you do you, but this is potentially a better option and I'd never be angry if they do go ahead with it I've still had people go yeah I can see your point but we think this is better for us you're like no problem like you can't make them change their mind but you can say like just out of experience this isn't the best idea
0: yeah it's all just helpful isn't it in the day
1: mm-hmm.
0: let's talk about packages a little bit so you said before so you're quite open and your, your prices on your website your packages are kind of there pretty clear from you yep. know I look and yeah all pretty clear really I know that from looking at your Instagram before and stuff and, you, and kind of following you for a little bit, you've, you recently like added in sort of a new package. You were talking a bit about like prep to party and you put a bit of a poll out on Instagram. And so I'd love to get like some thoughts on that. Like what was the kind of comeback or what was your thoughts about tweaking your packages originally anyway? Like what would you think you were missing or, you know, not gaining yeah, so from having it?
1: I've always done hours coverage. I think the reason I've never done something like a prep to party originally is because I think it was my second or third wedding. I said to them, like, I'll be there so many hours before. Well, I'll, I'll breathe there when you start getting ready. And I'll leave pretty much when the party is kind of like over. And I was there for 16 hours. And they thought that was okay. And I got paid like 400 quid. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I cannot do this for the rest of my career. And the reason it was so long is because she was like, well, makeup's coming at six o'clock. And I was like, oh, okay. And I just had no argument to argue back that that wasn't a great idea. And then... They were having like fire breathers, and she was like, Well, we want to wait for it to be dark for the fire breathers. And I was like, Okay. And I can remember my ex at the time, he literally had to like carry me across the field because my legs were like giving in. I just couldn't stand any longer when he picked me up. And I was just like, I don't know if I can do this. So I think I changed hourly back then. And it just always worked for me. Like clients liked that they knew when you were going to arrive and when you were going to leave. And then if they wanted to extend it on the day, I always said to them, like, you can add an hour or two and just pay me within a week of the wedding. It's not a problem. And I've always liked to be a very flexible person with that option. But I'd probably say like eight out of 10 couples, the nine hours always worked for them. But then I, I don't know, I put out a poll because I've seen so many other people are doing prep to party. And I was just like, it sounds like a great idea because it's less pressure to that client and they can be more flexible on the day. And then I put out a poll and I think it was something like 80% of people were like, they'd rather have prepped party. I was like, oh, okay, that's quite a large portion of people. And then I think I put out another poll saying, would you pay more money for the flexibility? And like 90% of people were like, yes. I was like, okay, if there's obviously somewhere to go with this. So I changed my nine hour to eight hour, which to be honest, most people at eight hours from my nine hours were kind of almost I would say done and you could have easily like left eight and it been fine. And most of my clients aren't fussed about prep. So what I've done is I've kept the eight hours as an option for those people. And then I've added in the prep to party, which I specify as like 10 to 12. But if it went on a little bit longer, I wouldn't obviously be like no. If it went on a bit shorter, I'd just do the 10. But it's gone down quite well. Most of my people inquiring are actually opting to potentially go for prep to party so i think there is that market there but there are also still people who are getting contact that want to know how many hours they're getting specifically
0: so yeah. say is it awkwardness because i like i've always well, i say always for as long as i can remember essentially i've kind of just shot like i think when i very first started i was doing like you know prep to just have the first dance type thing yeah like fairly standard but then not long after that i yeah just started doing kind of an all day usually mm-hmm. i will say him like Two or three hours roughly before. Usually fine. If it's like at their house, I'll go two hours before they leave the ceremony. If it's like at the venue, I might go three hours before because I know I'm going to get some venue stuff anyway or whatever. And
1: you could do both partners if they're there. Yeah. So I'll do three hours before. Yeah. Usually that's kind of
0: my earliest. I'll go three hours before. And then I stay pretty much till the end and like, yeah, like midnight ish, whatever. Like I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's always, I don't know if it's, festival days or whatever it was it's kind of i just always (laughs) liked that that last bit like it's always a bit crazy but like obviously a lot of the photos uh i don't know it it there's a bit of me as well is like worried that like i love the dance floor stuff but a lot so you know when i look back at some of my favorite dance floors they've always some of them have been crazy from the start right but a lot of them are taking a little bit of time to get into and i'm kind of always worried that like actually if i'm i don't want it to look i want it to look really like exciting and full-on and yeah. And I think if I've got like, I don't know, if they're starting dancing at seven, eight PM and there till midnight, I've got so long to capture like yeah. good stuff, you know, and I panic that like in the short period, if I only do like an hour after first dance, is that gonna be enough? And yeah, you know, some of it might be a confidence thing, some of it I don't
1: know, No, I completely agree with you. I and this is the thing is sometimes I think we need to understand if we're servicing ourselves or servicing our client, because I've had many clients who say that nine hours is enough and you can tell when you've done like the nine hours ends maybe like half hour to an hour after their first dance and you're like, I know this is gonna kick off, but I'm not gonna be here and you're like, do you want me to stay and they're like, no no, no we think you've got enough like don't worry about it and some clients don't want those messy images and some really really want them. like I did one last weekend, not the one just gone the one before and she purposely kept me until the end. And it just it was so good. I mean, it was one of those dance floors that was really good from the beginning. And they just went crazy, like drinks were flowing. They were having a great time. It was a great band and it just worked. But then I've been at some weddings. I'm like, oh, if they've kept me here till the end, I know I'm not going to get what they're thinking. But then I get FOMO when I leave the wedding. I know it's going to kick off. And then the next day they have posted on their Instagram, like they're up on people's shoulders and people's tops are off. And I'm like, oh, that would have been such a good one to capture. So, yeah, I think the prep to party gives me that opportunity to either do the 10 to 12 or if I feel like it's really good and it's going to carry on, I can always stay if I want to and then be like to them yeah this will capture the full story but then also if I know that it's not really kicking off in the way that it should or I'm not going to do them a service by staying longer I can just be like I've got everything I need because there are some weddings unfortunately they just don't go that way we've all had them yeah but I definitely get FOMO when I know that it's going to happen and I've done an hour package and they're like yeah you can go home now and you're like okay
0: Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? There's no right or wrong. And obviously, you know, it all depends what you want to do. Like I, I, yeah, and I don't, I'll say to couples, like I stay late. Like I won't always say, like say, I say right to the end, usually like yeah, the I'll finish or go or like, yeah, or like, see you know, I can sort of judge it a little bit. So I've generally like, sometimes if I know like, it doesn't seem like anything's really going to happen. I can go. Yeah. I'll always be there probably till 10, 11ish, but I'm not going to stay till 1am if like nothing's happening, you know? So I'll yeah. kind of, but I never really had any issues with that. But yeah, it's interesting. I always worry about the hour thing. So I was worried, you know, if, what if I get loads of bookings that like, you know, shorter coverage, I just, I'd rather just do like less full days a year, charge the full price and be done with it type thing. And for me, yeah. having kids like childcare is an issue and things like that. So there's all those other things. But yeah, rather than having loads of smaller, like I wouldn't want someone to book me for four hours if I'm then or whatever the min, you know, whatever my minimum would kind of be if I'm then. I don't know, I miss a full day booking kind of days. thing. Yeah, but I guess you can price yeah. it to a point where it makes it, you know, you're, you're happy doing it. Obviously, five hours is short. It's like, great. If I can make enough on that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you can kind of, you know, that'd be great. Like, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, small bookings I'll only take if they're a bit more local on a weekend or if it's following like maybe a full day. I think the thing is, I'd mm. love all of my bookings to be prepped to party and i would love to do them from like start to finish like people like sam docker when i see that he's done a wedding from like early early doors to like it's a completely just obliterated like nothing is existing anymore yeah, and i love even the or
0: sometimes you'll we'll see you know yeah, i've like, done a few of those this year and they've been so good to like uh, a, few, a few of those last year i've got a few this year as well above like not charge much at all especially if i've had to travel to it i know i'm there anyway It's like, I'll just go a few hours earlier. I'll charge you, you know, Mm -hmm. a little bit more to shoot the night before. It's beneficial for me because I get to see everyone in a super relaxed time because they're just having a barbecue or someone chilling out the night before. Everyone's like arriving and meeting each other. There's no timings or group shots. or There's nothing. Mm -hmm. I'm just there just floating around. And
1: And they get more used to you being around with a camera and they start to view you as more of a guest. Like, I'd love to do more of those. But I'm also like, then you'd have to sort of like limit bookings. Like, I've got a few double headers this year and I I could not do double headers if they were completely like start to finish. And then knowing that I'd have to travel potentially as well. I think it's it's something that I want to do more in 2024 and 2025, especially. And I think I'll probably try and take on less smaller bookings unless they're in the weeks. But I've kept that hourly option there just in case, because I know I have had people specify that they want to know what hours exactly they're getting. Mm. But I kind of say like eight hours is almost a full day, but they have the option then if they want to go from there, it's up to them.
0: Yeah. No, it's good. It's a good way to think about it. I keep going sort of flip flopping. It's like, obviously, the same. We're, we're coming out the winter <laughs> now, aren't we? So I'm kind of like, you know, it's like in the winters when I kind of, yeah, will tweak the website and think about everything from, you know, like end to end client experience stuff and, yeah, yeah editing and, Everything's just kind of trying to cram it in. I'm always thinking about packages and like, am I missing a trick? Not because I know obviously people are talking more about short coverage now and more last minute bookings and things like that. And it's like, yeah, it's good to have that option almost. Whereas I very strongly almost advertise and put out about full day and I show a lot of mm-hmm. evening stuff and I don't really mention anywhere about shorter coverage or anything like that. So obviously, I'll take the odd thing that comes in, but because I'm not talking about it anywhere or mention it, like it's very unlikely that anyone would look at yeah. my stuff and probably be like, oh, yeah, well, in touch about a shorter wedding like sometimes they do but yeah I'm not really don't know but I think that's a mind. good
1: thing I don't think there's a problem with being specific like th- there's a reason clients come to us for specific styles and everything as well like you're saying like sh- show what you want to shoot and I don't think there's anything wrong with saying people to people like this is what I, I do best and I give you the best quality by being there from start to finish I kind of only kept micro and stuff from when it was COVID times and I get a few clients who they can't afford the big price, but they'll be like, we know we still want you. What can you do for this budget? And I'll abide by that for them. Mm -hmm. And some of my favorite weddings have been some smaller weddings because although they don't necessarily have the budget for a full day photographer, they have the budget for other stuff. And it's people's different priorities. Like just because a couple come to you for two hours doesn't mean that they've not got like a beautiful day and they're not your ideal client and stuff like it can be gutting mode to go to them for a couple of hours and be like I could have mm. given you the best gallery ever if you had me for the full day
0: Yeah, but tough. some
1: couples priorities aren't photography they know they want you but they just don't want you for the full day and you're like that's where you have to weigh up whether or not you're happy to take on those smaller bookings really
0: yeah makes total sense look Chloe thank you so much for your time I think we've covered a lot there in a yeah. roundabout way <laughs> hopefully yeah uh, Hopefully, you know, if you listen to this, you took some away from it, just let us know. Yeah, thanks so much, Joe. We'll say bye. What we'll do is we'll chat a little bit first. So, if you are a member of Photographers Keeping It Real, make sure you're using your link for the extended versions and you'll be able to hear me and Chloe chat a little bit about how this year is looking, talk a bit about marketing leads and the usual stuff we talk about on the extended versions. Where's the best place for people to go and find out more about you, Chloe?
1: Probably Instagram. I'm on there way too much. So, it's just Chloe Mary Soto. Yeah. And then obviously my website, which is exactly the same, but .co.uk. Cool. <laughs> oh,
0: perfect. I'll link it all below anyway. And uh, yeah, Lovely. thanks so much, Chloe. Enjoy the rest of your day.
1: You too. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the podcast show.
0: We hope that you did on top and go. Oh, halfway through the episode. We hope that you'll join us next time. That would be mighty fine. We well, love you bye 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 bye